We welcome you here this morning. My name is Cameron. I'm one of the pastors here at Conduit. If this is your first time visiting with us, if this is your, you know, if you're here every week, if you help plant the church, welcome home. And um, we love you, and we've been praying for you, and uh, in particular praying that the Lord would use uh, this season in His Word uh, to change us. Um, we have a lot to get through this morning, and so I'm not going to waste the. I'm not going to. I'm not going to waste a whole lot of time. Um, I sometimes have this uh, thing. I'm, I'm wondering if you, if you can relate. All right. So, like, it usually happens when I'm getting out of my truck. It's mostly when I'm getting out of my truck and I'm like coming here to my office, right? And I have this little magnet on my dashboard that I put my phone on, right? And I got my keys. Then I usually got like a cup of coffee and I have my work bag. And maybe I'll have one other random piece of thing that I'm grabbing, right? But I'm grabbing all of these things. And, you know, like, and I have all these little things. I have all these things in my hands, right? And then I come into my, I come into my office, right? And I'm, I have all of these things and they're just shoved in little nooks and crannies of my arms and my hands, right? And I come to my desk, right? And I know that I want to hold my coffee but set down my phone, right? Or I want to hold, like, I want to hold my keys, but I want to, or I want to hold on to my coffee, but I want to gently set down my keys. And what ends up happening, right, is that you're holding so many things in so many different places, right? And your brain can't connect the wires as to how to let go of what, right? And so you're trying to let go of your keys and you end up dropping your coffee, right? Or you drop something that's much more fragile. Has anyone ever had a situation like that where you're holding so many things and you're like trying to let go of one thing, but you end up letting go of another thing entirely? All right. I had to, I actually asked Pastor Luke this week if that was a thing that people did or if I was just a little special and could never actually put down the right thing. And he assured me that, you know, that the illustration stands, all right? Yeah, or we're, or we're both special. I'm glad to hear that it's not just us. What is the point? Well, we're in our, our, our Lent series is divine interruption. The ways in which... The ways in which God interrupts maybe some of the natural or not natural, but the normal patterns or rhythms of our lives, right? And calls us to something that maybe we haven't ever done or ever experienced. Like last week or two weeks ago, we talked about, um, you know, in the midst of our busyness, Jesus interrupts our lives with the gift of Sabbath. Or in the midst of, uh, last week, Pastor Luke preached on, in the midst of our fear, Jesus comes and interrupts our lives with the, with the comfort of his presence, right? Not the removal of our circumstances, right? But the comfort of his presence with us. This week, I want to talk to you about the way in which Jesus interrupts our unwillingness to forgive. And what is sometimes our white knuckling of the hurts, of the pain, of the injury, right, that has been done to us by other people or via, right, our own personal decisions. 
Because I feel like what happens a lot of the time, when I don't feel like, I know, is that we all carry a lot of hurt. We all carry hurt from relationships. We all carry hurt from other people. We carry hurt from circumstances and situations. And it feels like sometimes that we're carrying all of it at once, right? Like the phone and the keys and the coffee and the bag and the Bible or the book or the whatever, right? And we get to a place where we realize this, this is all too much to carry. And I need to, set, I need to set some of it down. I need to set something down, right? But we're so discombobulated in everything that we have, right, that we don't really know how to set down the most important thing, or we don't really know how to set down the thing that's causing us most pain. And so we end up dropping other things. And what happens in our lives, right, is that when we, when we are holding the weight and the burden of, of dozens of relationships, or even one main relationship, when we're holding the weight or the burden of unforgiveness, right? That thing ends up spilling out and spilling over into other areas of our lives. And we begin to drop very important things that we want to hold on to, but we don't realize like, why are these other things hitting the floor and crashing before us? It was a few years ago. I don't know if you were here or not. You were here when we preached the whole, the whole series on forgiveness. Raise your hand. You remember these, right? Okay, you remember these little um, illustrations or these takeaways that we had, right? Little broken, broken length of chain, keychain, right? We're going to come back to this here in a moment. We're also going to get to this, right? Your Lenten practice for the week. One of the most significant things that God has given to each of us This is really important, all right? A lot of this is going to be based on the the rest of our morning here. One of the most significant things that God has given each of us is the position of being forgiven and the opportunity to make a decision to forgive others. One of the most important gifts, one of the biggest significant things that God has given each of us is the position of being a person who has been forgiven. It is a gift that God has offered to us by faith in Jesus Christ. It is a gift that God has given to us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And it is a position that we can occupy as a person who has been forgiven of much. And then the corollary to that is because that we are because we are a forgiven people, we have been given access to make the intentional decision to forgive others. And I want to be really clear about this, right? I wish I could preach right now, like in this moment, in this morning, a whole like three part series on this. And that's why we're going to try and like cram as much of this into us as we can, right? Because, because I don't. I don't, need to, I don't need to explain to anyone, right, the reality of the hurts that we feel and the burdens that we carry, right, and sometimes the bitterness that we hold because of the way that people have hurt us. And, and, and many times we don't know how to escape from the reality of that hurt. It's like it's, like it's heavy on our, 
on our shoulders, right? But the, the, the pathway that God has given to us to, to come out from underneath the hurt that has continued to be a heavy weight on our shoulders is the gift of forgiveness. But forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness, listen, forgiveness is a decision. Forgiveness is a decision to release someone from the debt that resulted in my heart, in my soul, in my emotions, in my body, to release them from the debt that resulted when they harmed me, when they injured me, when they did that thing to me, when they did those many things to me, when they said those words, when they walked away, when they did this. It is the decision to say, you are no longer in debt to me for the thing that you have, uh, or for the thing that you have done. I am making a decision. That is a decision that I make. I forgive you. Now, if you're human, if you're human, you may be asking the question here, right? Or asking the question here, how can I possibly let go of something that is so significant, that is so big, and that has been so hurtful in my life? How could I... What you're, you're telling me that I just need to forgive and walk away and I need to let go of that thing? How could I do that? It's big. It's hurt. It still hurts. It's, it's majorly significant in my life. And I think that one of the, one of the um, very obvious roles of the Word of God, right, One of the things that we ask the Holy Spirit to do all the time is to take the truth of God's Word and shove it deep down into the deepest parts of our heart and soul, right? To kind of rewrite what we believe the narrative of the world is. Because what what has been, what you've been told, right? And what you've been misled to believe is that I will forgive that person when I feel forgiving towards them. When my, when my emotions, when my emotions have become forgiving, when my, at, when my heart has softened, when my, when I feel the feelings of warmth towards them, then I will, then I will forgive them. I want to hear, I want you to, I want to hear, I want you to hear me say this right now. Understand that we have been significantly misled regarding forgiveness. The world has told you, when you feel forgiving, that's when you forgive. But the Word of God tells us, right, that we forgive, not because we feel forgiving, but because we are forgiven. And that the act of forgiveness is a decision that we must make, not a feeling that we must have. Now, if you remember from the Forgiveness series two years ago, if you were here, you might remember this little triangle, right? If you don't remember the triangle and weren't here, this might be new to you, right? But we have here somewhat of like a, uh, I guess you'll say like a, tr- a triangle hierarchy of forgiveness, right? We have identity on the bottom, right? That should always be who we are. That's the widest base of who we are, right? We have an identity, We are a forgiven people because we have an identity as a 
forgiven people, that, that identity, it, it precipitates or re- it requires that we act based on who we are, right? That is who we are, so that is how we act. And once we act within a certain way, our then feelings become aligned with our actions, and our actions uh, tell us what our identity is. I don't need to tell you this because you know it already, but I'll tell you it anyway, right? When we are significantly hurt, feelings of forgiveness, feelings of forgiveness rarely come first. But they're almost always the thing that we want to come in order to forgive. But the feelings rarely come first. It is so important, church, listen. It is so incredibly important that we move from a place of identity, who we are, not from a place of feelings. So the question then becomes, what is our identity? What is your identity? What is my identity? We find, we find our identity in Jesus Christ. We find our identity in God himself, right? When we receive Jesus by faith, we, we, the, 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 the Holy Spirit becomes, it, um, the, whole, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us, right? And we are filled with that Holy Spirit, right? And so now we are, so now we are, our identity is based upon um, the, God's Holy Spirit within us, not just our own feelings, right? I've got five kids, right? And um, you know, I, I talk about my kids all the time. Someday they're going to write a book about all the bad stories that are about all the sermon illustrations that they did not agree to be a part of. But anyone with kids will tell you, right, that they rarely, that they rarely respond to situations in life based on their identity. Like, you know, I am an emotionally stable three-year-old, and I have a safe and secure home, right? And my parents love me, and I have all that I, I have all that I ever need. I think that I will respond to this situation with all kinds of rationality, right? <laughs> no. Three-year-olds, right? They act out of where? Their feelings, right? They, stop, they start at the top of the triangle and they work down. And they, and they look like they're crazy people, right? They are crazy people. Because they start from a place of feeling and move to a place of identity, right? But as we grow and mature, and especially as we grow and mature in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we realize that always acting from a place of our feelings leads us nowhere good. Almost nowhere good. So it is incredibly important for us to root our identity first in who Jesus is to us and for us and in us so that we can act out of our identity and our actions produce over time the feelings that we wanted at the beginning of the situation. We are a forgiven people. We're going to look at some scripture this morning. We're going to look at a lot of scripture this morning, but I want to highlight a few this morning. Uh, First off, Psalm 103, verses 10 and 12. 
If you're not familiar with the Bible, that's okay. We have one um, in the seats for you here. We also have it up on the screen. David, David paints a picture here of, um, of, the God that, of the God that we serve, of the God that, who has called us into relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, of a God who is, not, who is eager to forgive, who is anxious to forgive, whose heart towards us is, not, is, is, a, forgiving, is a forgiving countenance. It says, He will not always accuse, nor will He harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those that fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. That that God's desire is to, is to wrap up in a ball all, all of our sin and in His graciousness through Jesus Christ remove those sins from us as far as the east is from the west. It's a, it's a poetic way of saying they could not be further away from us. That all of our iniquity, all of our sin, all of the things that have caused offense against His holiness from us to him, that in Jesus Christ he wraps them up and he removes them from who we are. Not only the psalmist, not only David, but the prophets speak of the forgiving character and nature of God. And in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, we see an instance there where the prophet Isaiah says this Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, you know the rest, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. And later in the same, in the same book, Isaiah chapter uh, 43, verse 25, the same the same. Spirit comes through when the, the prophet is when 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 God is speaking or when Isaiah is speaking regarding God's mercy towards His people. I even I says the Lord. I am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers. Listen and remembers your sins. No more. Finally, in the New Testament, of course, the Apostle Paul in speaking to the Ephesian church reminds them of who, of what in Jesus Christ their identity is. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Paul says, in Him, in Him, you and I, we, we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us 
with all wisdom and understanding. That in and through Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have redemption and the forgiveness of our sins. That the reality of our, our identity is rooted via our faith in Jesus Christ and the forgiving work of God of our sins. And then once we become, right, once we, once we have solidified or, 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 or grab onto or at least become aware even of the, of the identity of a person who has been forgiven, out of our identity then comes what? Action. If you know who you are, then you know what to do. Right? If you are a forgiven person, if by faith in Jesus Christ you claim forgiveness from God for your sins, if those scriptures that we just read about the heart and nature and character of God blotting out our transgressions, turning what was crimson into like white as snow, separating us from our sins as far as the east is from the west, if that is an identity that you embrace through your faith in Jesus Christ, then it requires something of you. The Scripture is clear. Jesus especially is clear that our identity as forgiven people requires something of us. It is not a gift that gets hoarded into our pockets, but it becomes the base by which we respond to the hurt that others have caused us. Our identity requires action. And it's, this is usually like the, the, this is hard. This is hard, right? Not only is it hard to think about, it's hard to hear. Remember in our James series, we talked about large pills to swallow, large spiritual pills. And this is a large spiritual pill. And there's, there's really no way to like, man, I, like listen, I'm a person just like you're a person, right? Pastor or not, like I have been significantly and deeply hurt in my life. And, and, and there are, there are many, many, many times where I would have loved, I would love to be able to hold on to the hurt and anger and bitterness, right? Because I don't want to forgive. I don't feel like forgiving. I don't have those, that emotional feeling of wanting to forgive, right? But because I have received the identity as a forgiven person, Jesus calls that forgiven state in me, right, to action and to responsibility. Let's see some of the places where Jesus calls that up into service, so to speak. Matthew chapter 6, verses 12 through, 20, or 12 through 15. As he's teaching his disciples to pray in the Sermon on the Mount here, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says this at the end of the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verses 12 through 15. He says, Forgive us our debts, right? As we have also 
forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Right? And then we would love to like, whoop, stop. Hard stop, period. Right? That's the end of what Jesus has, has to say about forgiveness, right? But then he goes on, verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Large pill alert, right? Okay, large pill alert. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. All right, well, is that, an, is that an anomaly? Like maybe Jesus was kind of like not thinking about what he was actually saying there. Like do we find that? Do we find that theme? Do we find that reality, that truth, other places within Scripture? We certainly do. Mark chapter 11. Mark records essentially the same words in a different um, instance with Jesus. Mark chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus is again talking about prayer in verse 24. He says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Verse 25, Mark chapter 11. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. It's not the last, it's not the last time Jesus um, speaks on the subject. Luke chapter 6. Something similar. Verses 37 through 38. Do not judge. This is the words of Jesus, of course. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus creates... Very clear, very straight lines, no matter how big the pill is to swallow, right? Jesus creates very straight lines between God's forgiveness of us and our forgiveness of others. They are inescapable. They are absolutely inescapable. Oh, you say, well, I mean, that's Jesus, though. Right? I mean, that's not, it's just, it's not, it's not the same thing. Like, like there's got to be some exception here. There's got to be some explanation. I, like, I've always been told that God always forgives me. That God, that God would, that God would never withhold his forgiveness from me. Well, it, it seems as though to me, in a very clear reading of Scripture, that, that, that Jesus is saying pretty starkly, right, that, that, that forgiveness, right, is the response of a person who has been forgiven. That a person who has been forgiven by God naturally responds with actions and feelings of forgiveness. And, and if they don't, right, there is a question as to whether or not Forgiveness has taken deep root in their soul. 
probably one of the most significant teachings of Jesus on forgiveness, and we're going to read the whole thing for you, right? Is in Matthew chapter 18. Okay? And again, this is one of those this is one of those parables that we that we studied at great length during our series on forgiveness a few years ago. I'm sure if you I don't know if I'm, if it's still on the internet, but I'm sure it is somewhere. Things never die on the internet. Jesus tells the story or the parable of the unmerciful servant, okay? Matthew chapter 18. Starting in verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? You get this sense here that Peter was like, watch this, guys. I'm going to go ask Jesus how many times he'll forgive. And I'm going to say like, hey, Jesus, I'm, I'm kind of a big deal. I'm pretty holy. I follow you very closely. I mean, I'm willing to... Forgive people up to seven times. I'm sure you're not going to ask me to do that, but let's just see what he has to say, right? And Jesus is like, seven times, Peter? I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. It was like exaggeration by effect. Jesus isn't, Jesus isn't talking about like, okay, keep a tally. And if a person sins against you 78 times, then you're clear. Right? No forgiveness required past 77. Right? Jesus is using something that we call hyperbole, right? Exaggeration for effect, right? He's telling Peter, right? Hey, listen, there is no, there is no end to the measure of forgiveness that we offer to someone else. And he was like, let me tell you a little bit of a story or a little parable, Jesus says. The kingdom of heaven is like a king. This king wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Forgave the debt. But when that servant then went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. And instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in his anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. 
Well, that's a really good story. <laughs> and then Jesus finishes with this line. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers or sisters from your heart. Okay, so in case like Jesus straight on like saying, hey, forgiveness, your forgiveness of others is direct line connected to God's forgiveness of you, then Jesus tells a story to illustrate the point. And what is not often, right, what is not often recognized in this parable is the great disparity in the debts that were owed by the first servant and the second servant. How much did the first servant actually owe the main master? Well, it said he owed him 10,000 talents. Well, I don't, I mean, 10,000 of anything is a lot of things, right? But what is, what is 10,000? Well, so I, we cre- I, did, I did the modern math for you. Okay, so 10,000 talents. One talent was equal to 6,000 denarii. And a denarii was one day's wage. So you worked for a day, you got a denarii. Okay, so if we use kind of a general figure of like today, someone who makes $12 an hour, which is a relatively low sum, right? It's not a lot of money. And they work an eight-hour day. That's about $95 a day that they earn. $95, one denarii. Okay? So, one talent then, or 6,000 days wages, is worth $570,000, which means this man, owing his master 10,000 talents, owed him the equivalent of $5.7 billion. The man coming in begging, I will repay every bit that I owe you. Listen, it was an unpayable debt. He and his whole family could have worked for the rest of their natural lives and never, ever, ever, ever even got close to paying it back. The master what? Recognizes the unpayable debt recognizing the vast mountain of debt that this man has, and out of his grace and mercy for the man, cancels the debt and sends him on his way. Now, what is the master probably thinking? Well, this guy's probably going to go out, right? And be like king forgiver in every situation he ever encounters because of what, look, at I mean, we just canceled this huge mountain of debt. Well, as the story goes on, right, the guy goes out, right, gets his servant who owes him what? A comparable amount of money? No. It says 100 denarii or 100 days wages or about $9,500. A lot of money? Sure. Comparable to $5.7 billion? Not even close. <laughs> Not even close. Right? and absolutely responds to this servant who owes him $9,500 like his debt was never, ever canceled. Like he never owed anyone anything. 
Jesus uses this parable as an example to show us that, listen, in our, in our unwillingness to forgive others of the pain or injury that they have caused us, we have failed to rightly measure the extent of God's forgiveness of us. That the mountain of sin that exists in our lives, that through Jesus Christ God has forgiven on the cross, is incomparably large to the hurt that we are holding that we refuse to forgive. And that, and that the one who has been forgiven stands only in a place of eagerness to forgive others. Now listen, this is a, these, are, these are spiritual realities, right? But I know that sometimes in our lives, spiritual realities, they sometimes, they sometimes pale in comparison to the rationalizations that we make, right? Because, listen, you don't need a theologian, you don't need a pastor, right, to explain the simplicity of the parable of the merciful servant or the simplicity of the words of Jesus that connects the Father's forgiveness of us with our forgiveness of others. That's like, as, it's probably as plain as it gets. So that sits really before you on the table of God's, like, like, as an offering on God's table. And it becomes now a decision as to whether or not you pick up the reality of God's forgiveness of you and give it to others as well. But there are so many things that you and I do to rationalize our unforgiveness, right? And listen, there is not... In almost 20 years of ministry and a pretty hard life personally, there you may be sitting with something where you're saying, like, yeah, but you have no idea the thing that I'm the thing that was done to me. And and you're you're right. I don't know everything that was done to everyone. I don't know the I don't know every detail or every pain that you're holding or that you're carrying with you, you're right, I don't. But I can imagine it. And I've experienced some of it. And I've walked through others with it, right? And so this is in no way me seeking to diminish the pain that you are experiencing because it is significant. And it is real. And we do honor the story of who it's of who God how God is using it, right? To to redeem current circumstances in your life and how he will use it in the future as well. But we make, even in these big situations, incredible rationalizations to escape the spiritual realities that are very clear in Scripture for us. For instance, I can't forgive that. It's way too big. It's way too big. It is, it is so heavy. 
It is so big and so significant that I cannot possibly forgive it. Listen. The bigger it is, the quicker you should set it down. The the larger the thing is, the bigger and the more significant, the less time you should spend carrying it. It is heavy, it is burdensome, and you may have been carrying it well for days or weeks or months or years or even generations, but it is getting heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier and it will crush you. It will. Saying something is too big to set down seems a little backwards, right? It is the big things that we set down the quickest in order to escape from the weight of having to carry them with us our entire lives. Another rationalization that we often use, right, is that, well... I'm just going to give it a little time. Time will heal it. Time will heal. The only thing that time does with an open wound is make it get make it get infected. When you have an open wound and you're just like, "Eh, I'll clean it out a couple weeks from now. We'll address it then. Just leave it open to the world, right?" What happens? It gets infected and it spreads to other parts of your body, right? And you may have used this rationalization. Well, I'll just give it some time. And you think years down the line, well, yeah, I, like, I just gave it some time and it eventually just went away until you run into that person in Wegmans again. Whew. And you're like, I still hate you. <laughs> Am I right or am I right? And you come to realize in that moment that time healed nothing. Time healed nothing. And it's especially true, right? For adults, right? When you were hurt in your childhood. And you're still carrying that hurt with you today. It should be a revelation that time does not heal things. Jesus heals things. Jesus heals. Jesus is the one who heals. Time does not heal. Time does not have the power to do anything but fester that thing and make you think that you forgot about it or that it's okay now. It's not. Number three, rationalization. I will forgive them when they say that they're sorry. I got news for you. They're not going to say it. (laughs) They ain't saying it. They are not going to say that they are sorry. Maybe they will, right? But holding on, right, 
to the rationalization that I will act when they act, right? Keeps you continually burdened by the thing. And you think, right, that you're punishing the person by holding on to the hurt and they have forgotten your stinking name. They could care less, right? They have moved on. You're the one that's carrying the hurt. You're the one that's carrying the burden, right? And so, and so forgiveness, right, must be articulated. You must articulate forgiveness to whom? Now, it is a very dangerous game to articulate forgiveness to someone who is not realized or willing to admit that they have hurt you, right? Because it cheapens the offer of forgiveness and the act and decision of forgiveness. But forgiveness without, right, the context of relationship becomes something that we must articulate to God. Heavenly Father, because you have forgiven me and because of the great debt in my soul that you have canceled, I am making the decision today to forgive that person for that thing. Please help me, Lord, in my soul, in my mind, in my body, in my emotions to express the spirit of forgiveness. And that's mediated between you and the Father. And if there comes a moment, right, where you do run into that person in Wegmans, right, and they're like, you know, I am so sorry for what I did. I am so sorry for what I have said. Please forgive me. I want you to know that I forgive you and release you from the death that you have caused in my heart and my soul and my mind from that thing that you did. I forgive you. And once it's articulated, then it can be articulated to the person. Number four, rationalization. I can't forgive. I cannot forgive this person because I, I can't forget this thing that they have done. Number one, forgiveness is not a guarantee of forgetfulness. It's not the same thing, right? You will not automatically forget the thing when you forgive the thing, right? But listen, a reason, the reason that you can't, like it's like a motion picture that plays in your head 100% of your day and that you can't forget it and 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 you can't forget it is because, right, you will not forgive it. It's not the other way around. It's a, I can't forget this thing, so I can't forgive this thing. No, it's you can't forget it, and you are dwelling on it, and you, there's almost, listen. <laughs> there have been seasons and times in my life, there has been situations and circumstances and experiences in my life that were deeply, deeply painful for me. And that I wished among, or I, that I wished, wish upon wish that I could escape from, Right? and that I never had to go through again, and that I could forget about completely. And you know what I would like to do sometimes? I would like to sit in my chair and just remember those things and think about them. I'm serious. And I would go over the conversations again in my head. And I would have the arguments in my head again. Right? And I would say the things. And I would feel the feelings. And it would, it would relive the whole moment for me. And it would be as painful today as it was the time that it actually happened, right? 
And you know what? There was something, there was something strangely like, oh, this feels comfortable and familiar. I kind of like this, even though the pain it causes me in all of my life. Why is that? Right? Because there is something, right? There is something spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally chained to us when we do not offer, right? When we do not offer, when we do not like pursue forgiveness so that we are released from the power that that situation or circumstance or person has over our whole being, right? And we wonder why we can't forget those things is because we are willingly chaining ourselves to the hurt with an unwillingness to forgive. Number five, final rationalization. I can't, I'm not going to forgive them because I know they're just going to do it again. If I forgive them, they're just going to do it again. Oh, what? So now you'll have to carry two things? So you're saying that you're going to hold the first hurt as a hopeful shield against them hurting you again. Yes, they may do it again. Maybe they will. Maybe they will hurt you again. Maybe you will have to extend forgiveness again, right? But listen, listen, if you're already struggling to hold one thing, it's not going to be any better if now you have to hold two, and now you have to hold three, and now you have to hold four, right? Saying to yourself and to others, I can't forgive them because they're just going to do it again, right? may be true, but it is not helpful for you. The first offense is not a shield against the second. When we come up against, when we come up against our own unwillingness to forgive, when we come up against significant hurt or pain, done to us by another person or in the midst of an experience or circumstance or situation or whatever the case may be, right? There are two things that must happen. One, we must make a decision. First, you must make a decision. You must make a decision. Will I forgive or not? Not, the decision is not, do I feel like forgiving? You don't feel like forgiving, okay? I don't feel like forgiving the hurt that has been done to me. Not a feeling that I normally have. Usually it's anger. Okay? But feelings aside, I am not a person, right? That it, I am not a person that goes about my life based upon my feelings. I am a person that goes upon my life based upon my identity in Jesus Christ, right? And so when I don't want to be patient with someone, I realize that out of love, my faith in Jesus Christ compels me to be patient. When I don't want to, when I'm not naturally a compassionate or empathetic person, right? My relationship with Jesus Christ, my identity with Jesus Christ calls me into a state of being more compassionate or empathetic. And it's the same with forgiveness. I don't want to forgive, but in my relationship with Jesus, I have received the mountain of my sin has been erased. And so now my identity moves me to being a person who is eager to forgive because that's 
who I am in Christ. And that's who you are in Christ. But you must make that decision as to whether or not that's who you're going to be. Will you make the decision to forgive? Will you make the decision to forgive? I have found that in situations like this, it's important for me to have like an affirmative statement about that decision. I am a forgiven person who will forgive others. For a while, I had it on a sticky note in my office on a little picture, so I looked at it every day. I am a forgiven person who forgives others. I am a forgiven person who forgives others. I am a forgiven person who forgives others because it is absolutely a decision that we must make. Absolutely a decision that you must make. And once we have made the decision, now we enter into a process, right? Because just the words of our mouth, it means something, right? But it's not everything. Now we must work through a process of forgiveness. And what is this process? I am a forgiven person that that forgives others. Lord, I forgive so-and-so for the pain that they have caused me and what happened in this situation or that situation or whatever it is. What's my process? I'm no longer going to bring that thing up to them. If I'm in relationship with them, right? In like normal relationship with them, once I have once I have articulated forgiveness either to the Lord or to them, I've made the decision to forgive and I've articulated forgiveness, I'm not bringing it up to them anymore. Right? As far as what? The east is from the west. So far has the Lord removed our transgressions from us. Right? That is the identity out of which we forgive. I'm not bringing it up to them anymore. I'm not bringing it up to others anymore. Do you remember when they did that to me? Do you remember when that happened? Do you remember what they did? Wasn't that horrible? I've forgiven them, but I don't know if you have or not. So, I'm not going to bring it up to others. Why? Because it's gone. The debt has been canceled. The debt has been erased. There's no no account of it anymore. Um, Third and most difficult thing, right? I am no longer going to bring it up to myself. Man, I can't believe they did that to me. And that caused a lot of pain, and I'm really hurt. And the reason that I act like the way that I act is because of that thing that they did to me, and those words that they said, and that situation that I experienced, and that thing that I went through. And, man, I'm so glad I've forgiven them. But, geez, just thinking about that thing. Yeah, that was bad. Listen, (laughs) there comes a moment where God rewrites the story of our hurt into his redemption story. Right, And we can see the ways in which the hurts that have been done to us are being leveraged for the redemptive purposes of the kingdom of God in other people's lives. And that becomes, that's a different season of that spiritual walk of forgiveness. But listen, we have to make a commitment to not bring it up to ourselves anymore. And inevitably, what will happen is in the midst of the process somewhere, we will realize that we have, what? Failed. Shoot. I said I forgive, forgave them, and I really tried to, but then I was, got caught up in talking to this person about that thing that they did to me again, and I'm like, ah. So what do we do? When we fail in the process, we return to the moment of decision. I'm a forgiven person that will forgive others. 
Okay, reset. I'm not going to bring it up to them. I'm not going to bring it up to others. I'm not going to bring it up to myself any longer. When we fail in the process, we must return to the affirmative decision. You are a forgiven person. And so you will offer forgiveness. Forgiveness brings you freedom. Surprisingly for most people who think forgiveness is about the person that it's being offered to, forgiveness is really about you. Forgiveness is about forgiveness is about leveraging and receiving the gift that God offers to you in Jesus Christ to be forgiven and to be a forgiver so that the hurt and the burden and the pain that you carry with you every day all day into every relationship in every context in every room in every situation can be washed off of you with the blood of Jesus Christ. Every week um, of our Lenten series here, we've been introducing a new um, like practice to help you like really take the, um, the truth of the messages for the week and apply it to your life throughout the week, right? So this week is all about forgiveness. These cards are in the back next to the offering bucket. You can also get this on our, um, on our website. Um, but this week, what I'm going to challenge you to do um, is to, uh, in your daily in your daily life, right, in your daily life, carry something with you that is not necessarily easy or convenient to carry, like this rock. It's funny, right? Right. If I just carried this around all day long. Right? But what does it do for me? It reminds me, right, that it is really at best inconvenient and at worst burdensome and damaging to carry things around in life that God desires for you to just let go of, to set down and to forgive. And so as you're going through your whole Monday, carrying this rock, carrying that big, you know, that big Encyclopedia Britannica. Are those still a thing? Do they make those anymore? Yeah. Those, those big books, right? Or that basketball or that five-gallon bucket, right? That thing that you have to carry around. It's not going to, it's going to let you not forget, right? About the heavy burdens that we carry when we refuse to forgive others, when we, are, when we are staying in our rhythm and pattern of unforgiveness. So the Lenten practice this week challenges you to pick up something. You can read, you can read about it here. I'm not gonna, um, I won't give you all of the details. To carry something with you that is outside of like what you're, you'd normally carry with you and see how that practice affects how you think about the things that we carry when we're unwilling to forgive. I want to be... We're going to end here. Actually, let's have the band come back up as we um, start to finish up here. 
I want to be, um, I want you to hear my heart for a minute, okay? Um, and this is not a heart, this message, right? These, this message and the, these truths do not come, listen, they don't come from a place of like, shame on you guys for being so unforgiving or unforgiving and you got to you got to get it right and you just got to do better and it's not my heart at all. I said I've been hurt and I know hurt at a deep level. And I know that you know hurt at a deep level. And I do not desire to minimize or rationalize or generalize or normalize anything any hurt that has been done in your life. My, my heart for you, right, is that you, is that you get a clear picture of God's word that moves you from a place of the identity as being a, pers- a person who through Jesus Christ is offered forgiveness of mountains of sin that you might feel the freedom of God's forgiveness of you. Because it then comes, then forgiveness of others comes from a place of being free of those things yourself. And as you extend forgiveness to others, you you come to recognize, you come to see, you come to feel for the first time, maybe forever, the significant weight and pain that you have been carrying, that you've been wondering, how do I get out from underneath this thing? It's so hard, it's so heavy. And God says, listen, the way out is through forgiveness. That was the way out for you. There is freedom for you in forgiveness. To no longer carry the heavy burdens of bitterness, of hurt, of anger, and of pain. Allow Jesus to begin the process of healing in your life so that you can experience freedom through forgiveness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we commit our ways to you, Lord. Father, we don't, when we don't feel like forgiving, Remind us of who we are in you. Lord, when we have experienced pain and hurt and insignificant or insignificant damage to our lives, Lord. Lord, we surrender that to you. We ask, Lord, that you would use a decision and a process of forgiveness to begin healing us. Father, we thank you for your forgiveness through Jesus. We pray, Lord, that that forgiveness will become the base of our identity that moves us 
towards forgiving others. In Jesus' name.